0: Is tea. how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. Well, I'm Aaron Hegarty and I'm sitting down here with my sister.
1: I'm Sirica Hegarty and we're the founders of Candlelit Tales.
0: We tell old Irish stories, set the music and we chat about them afterwards. That's our style doing this podcast and we're always open to hearing about how to do it better. There's lots of stories to tell and loads of ways to tell them so get in touch we perform live shows in and around Ireland, and there's loads of details up online, Candletales.ie. We started as a donation-based thing, so we always ask people if they think they want to support us, or if they can support us, to go to patreon.com forward slash and give what you think this might deserve. Now, circa let's tell a story.
1: There was once a child born in Ireland, daughter of a nobleman and a slave. She was born on the first day of February. And at the moment of her birth, the sun was just cresting the horizon and a sunbeam flew from the forehead of the child to the rising sun. And it was so bright that the neighbours around that place thought that the house was on fire, came to check on the mother, only to find her safe and well and happy with this beautiful baby girl in her arms. Now because her father was a devout man, devoted to the goddess of Leinster, Bridget, he named his daughter Bridget, and she grew up hearing stories of this goddess, ...who had been born on the same day as her, at the same moment, in fact... ...as the sun rose over the horizon on the 1st of February... ...on Imbolg, the day sacred to that goddess. And Bridget's father was convinced that she would be a great priestess to the goddess Bridget. That she would go to Bridget's sacred grove and tend her sacred flame... ...that this would be what her life was all about. Devotion this wonderful goddess but his daughter had a mind and a plan of her own when she was young she heard a man preaching of a new religion a new faith this was St. Patrick and he told her all about a new god that believed in compassion and forgiveness a god that was love itself And young Bridget decided that this was the god she wanted to follow, not the pagan goddess of her father's faith. Now, she was remarkable from a young age for a number of reasons. Principal of them was her generosity. And not just her generosity, but the consequences of it. You see, a beggar woman came around one day when Bridget was milking the cows, and she gave the beggar woman the milk. But when her father then shouted at her for giving away everything she went back and milked the cows again and they gave a second milking and a third. In fact, they gave three times the milk they had the first time and this happened again and again. She would give away the very clothes off her back but somehow every time she gave things away she would get back abundance for it. When she gave meat to a starving stray dog, it was more meat that she was able to draw out of the cooking pot for the dinner. But when she gave away her father's dagger to a beggar, he decided that he'd had about enough of his daughter's generosity. Now, Bridget's mother was supportive of her desire to be a part of the new church and the new faith in Ireland, and so she invited a bishop of this new religion to visit the house to sit with Bridget and talk to her about what role she might have. Now that man came into the house of this pagan nobleman, let in by a slave woman, and he had to break it to her that there wasn't really a role for women in this church. It was really a male religion. It was all about priests and bishops and men. And at that moment, As he was carefully breaking the news to this poor woman her daughter came rushing in fresh from the fields and as beautiful as the sunlight itself and she hung her cloak up and went to greet the bishop. Now he was all ready to tell her what he'd told his mother that there was no place for her in this new faith but he looked behind her and he went a little bit green around the gills and then he shook her hand and said they'd be very very happy to have her very happy indeed For you see, when she walked into the room, Bridget had hung her cloak up. But in her excitement, she'd not noticed. She was hanging it up, not on a hook, but on a sunbeam. Now, strong willed as she was, and determined as she was to take holy orders and join the church, Bridget's father was just as determined to see her married and married well. And he made arrangements he arranged to have her married to a young nobleman. Now, the night before the wedding, Bridget took the young man aside and said to him that she had no intention of marrying him and no desire to marry him. And if he was a sensible young man, he'd go away and say no more about it. In fact, she told him that if he went away at that very moment, he would meet the woman of his dreams in the woods and every word he said would seem like the deepest, most profound wisdom to her ears, and her father would agree with her on every point. And so the young man did exactly that, left Bridget, went into the woods and found the woman of his dreams. And so the two of them were quite happy. Bridget's father was less happy, and he tried again to have her married off. And he managed to find a man who was willing to marry an unwilling bride, because Bridget, you see, was extremely beautiful. And on the eve of that wedding, she prayed. She prayed to God to take her beauty away. And when her bridegroom came to the altar and lifted the veil from her face, he saw not the young beauty he had been promised, but a hag an absolutely hideous creature. And he recoiled from her in disgust, backed out of the marriage there and then. And Bridget's father was now forced to let her do what she wanted to do, take holy orders and become a nun. But the funny thing was, on the day that she took holy orders, her beauty was restored. Her beauty came back and came back threefold, and she was more radiant than she had ever been. Now, Bridget gathered a number of followers and decided that she wanted to build a church. But the problem was, she had no land. She had no possessions at all, in fact, the church of that time being a church of poverty. So, she went to the king of Leinster. She asked him for a piece of land to build a church. To make a place for her and all her nuns to serve and protect and care for the needy. Now the King of Leinster did not want to divide up his land, and so Bridget asked him for only as much land as the cloak on her back would cover. He laughed, and he agreed to that bargain, knowing that that was a pittance indeed. Much to his surprise, when Bridget took her cloak off and spread it on the ground, her cloak grew and grew and grew, until the folds of her cloak covered every hill and valley, covered the whole of the province of Leinster. But being the generous soul that she was, Bridget gifted the province of Leinster back to the king, all except for a plot of land that was big enough for her to set up a convent. she called it the Church of the Oak Kildara, and that name has remained the town of Kildare holds it still to this day now Bridget was generous and she rewarded generosity in others but she couldn't abide meanness one day a woman came to her and gave her a basket of apples and Bridget saw some poor people down the road and handed the apples to them almost immediately The woman was furious. She saw this as her gift being disrespected and she gave out to Bridget. Bridget said nothing. But ever after that, that woman's orchard was barren. Another time, another woman gave her apples and saw her give them away immediately to those in greater need than herself. That woman ran out to Bridget with another basket of apples and Bridget smiled at her and blessed her. And ever after that, the tree from which she'd taken the apples to give to Bridget was more abundant than any tree in Ireland. The king at that time had a tame fox. He was delighted with his tame fox. It was the sweetest little creature used to come up to him for pets and scratches behind the ear. However, one day the king's tame fox got out. And a woodsman, not knowing that it was the king's fox, killed it with an axe thinking it was well a predator after the hens the king was absolutely furious and he sentenced the woodsman to death for killing his fox Bridget heard of this and went to visit the king to intercede to beg forgiveness and leniency for the poor woodsman who hadn't known after all that he was killing a pet on her way a fox came running out of the woods came straight to bridget and behaved as tame as if it had been raised by hand bridget brought it to the king and offered it to him in exchange for the life of the poor woodsman who had not known what he was doing she saved his life and the king had a new pet fox one day on her travels she saw a man carrying a sack of salt on his back she asked him for a pinch of it to season her porridge but He was not a generous man, and so he tried to get out of it. He told her it wasn't salt he had in his bag at all, it was stones. And Bridget said, is that so? Well, stones be it. And with that, the salt in the man's sack all turned to heavy rocks, and he was crushed beneath its weight. On one of her visits to a king's court Bridget came at a time when the king was away His sons welcomed her in But they apologised You see, all of the harpers were gone So they couldn't give her a feast worthy of her For there'd be no entertainment Bridget pointed out that there were harps hanging there on the walls But the king's sons said that they couldn't play They had no idea how to play She told him to take the harps down anyway And then she touched each one of them lightly on the back of their hands. And when they touched their hands to the strings of the harp, they called forth music more beautiful than any of them had heard. And after that time, those three king's sons became master harpers every one of them. Women would often come to Bridget for protection, for help and for guidance. One day, a young noblewoman came to her. She was in an awful state. You see, she had been given a ring to keep for a man. This man wanted to marry her, she knew that, but she wanted nothing to do with him. Now he'd given her this ring and he'd asked her to keep it for him for a year, and said he'd come back at the end of the year to get a back offer. That was fine. She put the ring away very very carefully. but when he came back a year later, the ring was nowhere to be found. And she suspected that he had stolen it. Now Bridget knew that he had stolen it. And not only that, he'd stolen it and then he'd thrown it off a cliff and into the ocean. But she told the young woman not to worry. She welcomed her in and she said she'd invite the young man to dinner that evening and they'd all talk about it and they'd all sort it out. Bridget went fishing. She went down to the cliff where the young man had been seen throwing the ring into the waves and she cast a line out and she called and a fish tugged on the line. When it came time for dinner and the guests were all seated around the young man smug and happy because he thought he had this girl right where he wanted her. She owed him a debt and he meant to collect by having her marry him Bridget cut open the fish and there in its belly was the stolen ring at one time one of Bridget's young nuns came to her and she too was in an awful state you see she'd sinned through lust and she was now pregnant and so that was going to be the end of her career as a nun but Bridget received her with compassion absolved her of her sin and put her hand on that young nun's belly and prayed And without pain or blood or delivery the pregnancy was ended and the young nun's chastity restored and she was able to continue in her good work. Bridget had a healing well near the grove where she kept her flame alight and one day a pair of lepers came to her for healing. She told them each to bathe the other in the well. The first leper bathed the second and his sores were soothed and healed and restored by the water until he stood there whole and uncorrupted. But then it was his turn to bathe the first. He was now so disgusted by the sight of the sores on the other man's flesh that he refused. Brigid came down with a fiery anger on the two of them when she saw what was happening here she laid her cloak on the first leper and as soon as it touched him all his sores were healed and he was restored to full health the other man left but not too long after that he had the terrible misfortune to contract leprosy all over again Now Bridget's father was a staunch old pagan and although his daughter had excelled so in the Church of the New God he wanted nothing to do with it. But her mother called on Bridget one day to tell her that her father was dying and Bridget, forgiving all, went to visit him. She sat by the bedside of the dying man and she picked up rushes from the floor and spoke to him of her faith and what it meant to her and as she spoke her fingers moved and wove together a cross of rushes and it is said that when he saw that cross and heard her words he was inspired by the faith that she had and the beauty and the meaning that it brought to her life and on the spot he converted to christianity and that cross is still woven by those who hold bridget dear Bridget's order grew and went from strength to strength. She was held the equal of any bishop in Ireland, an authority that not many women in the church had. Her successors were known as Bridget. They took her name and carried on her church. They kept the flame of Bridget lighting in the sacred grove in Kildare, and in time, she was made a saint of the early church Saint Bridget, and so she was remembered in Ireland and every year celebrated on the day of her birth the day of Imbolg the 1st of February the day that had been the goddesses and now belonged to the saint
0: All right. So, let's talk about Bridget. Sure. Was she a god or a saint?
1: Well, to my mind, she was both. So, there is a goddess Bridget that predates the saint Bridget. But a lot of the stories that I found about the goddess are the same as the ones about the saint. So, as far as I'm concerned, they are the same personality. Whether or not there was an historical St. Bridget, there is some argument about that. Um, most of the kind of stories and the attributes and the superstitions around the goddess kind of subsequently accreted around this figure of St. Bridget. So mythologically, as far as I'm concerned, they're the same one. So I don't really think it's a terribly... Like, for me, it's not a meaningful
0: distinction. Fair. So, similar stories. But I suppose what I want to ask is, who is Mary of the Gales?
1: So that was a name given to St. Bridget. And I think it's a bit of an interesting concept. Because if you look at the way that Christianity has spread throughout the world, what often happened is that when Christianity came into contact with other religions, it kind of subsumes them. So you see that over and over again, like that you get, you know, the Yuletide, midwinter, solstice festival becomes aligned with the birth of Christ, and and the, you know, Easter spring festival becomes a, which is named after a Germanic goddess called Easter. In case any of us in the English speaking world were wondering how it got that name you know, that gets, that gets correlated with the, the crucifixion rebirth story. So this is the kind of thing that happens over and over again in the, in the history of the spread of Christianity. And one of the things that tends to happen in cultures that have a strong presence of a goddess is that that goddess becomes conflated then with the Virgin Mary. So you see a kind of a Virgin Mary cult in a lot of cultures that formerly had a strong goddess culture you see it a lot in Latin America you massively see it in Ireland in fact medieval Irish Christianity was so Mary focused that it actually kind of refocused the early church she was a much more marginal figure in the early years of Christianity until they got to the Irish and and people kind of said well you can't because you know we, we come back to that over and over again you see it over and over again in the king stories you can't be a king without a wife so you can't have God without a mother God figure. So what's really interesting to me about Bridget and Saint Bridget is that here we have a goddess who was so powerful in her identity and identification that she was not subsumed into Mary. That even though she was transferred as a saint, she kept her own name and she kept her own identity now the idea of mary of the gales comes through in medieval christianity there's a there's a very interesting book called how the irish saved civilization which is all about the the kind of dark ages the monasteries in the dark ages throughout europe that were primarily set up and run by irish people and they were the ones who kept the calendars and kept the clocks and kept a lot of the knowledge uh, of what we would consider to be Western civilization, and kept it going. And for them, Brigid was of almost equal importance to Mary. Okay. And in fact, in the funny way that mythology has, you find then stories start to crop up of Bridget being the midwife of Mary in, at the birth of Christ. Hmm, nice. Which is nice because, you know, if we're talking saint versus goddess, that was definitely the goddess. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, she did have, she was pretty good at that.
1: <coughs> well, she was associated, that was one of her associations was, um, she was a kind of a patron. She was a patron of a lot of things, but she, one of the things she was a patron of was women. Uh, women in childbirth, women in abusive marriages, um, women in difficult situations. With Bridget was your kind of go-to goddess slash saint
0: and craft uh, wasn't it?
1: she was also well like I said she was she had a lot of associations she's the patron goddess of Leinster and she was actually the battle goddess of Leinster Lovely. so she was invoked by the, the armies of Leinster when they were going into battle um, she was also the patron goddess of uh, Smithcraft Of brewing. She's said to have brought the craft of brewing to Ireland. Uh, She has huge associations with cattle. And with the seasons, the turning of the seasons. The idea of Bridget's Cloak.
0: So that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about. Because I guess Bridget's Cloak in the Saint story is... Like everybody in primary school in Ireland knows that one. It's the it's the one that, you know, she throws her cloak over and gets the, enough land in Kildare to build her church.
1: Yeah, incidentally, Kildare, Kildara, Church of the Oakwood, she built her first church out of Oak. So she's also the person who founded the town of Kildare.
0: So saint story versus goddess story are in the two of them together, I suppose, What's the difference between the saint's cloak and the goddess's cloak?
1: Well, like most of it, there's a lot of parallels. Uh, you know, we heard in the, in the saint's story, she spreads it in order to get to kind of trick the king of Leinster into giving her a, a decent plot of land. So the cloak of the goddess is a bit more all-encompassing. So there's an idea that Bridget's Cloak is what protects Ireland from harsh weather. So there's, you know, in Ireland we have a temperate climate where, which is influenced by the Gulf Stream which means that it's never never gets really hot or really cold here which you'd really notice in the wintertime in Ireland. It hardly ever snows here even though we are at the same latitude as Moscow. Hmm. Um, but because we're tempered by this warm current where we actually stay quite mild. And the idea was that it was actually Bridget's Cloak that kept us mild, that that cloud cover kind of protects us from harsh weather, harsh sun and harsh weather.
0: Um, Fierce mild, like fierce mild.
1: Yeah, it does be fierce mild. Fierce mild, in fairness. There's there's an interesting uh, body of work by uh, Mary Condren who talks about Bridget's Cloak as a kind of a metaphorical space. A way of creating a space where everyone is enveloped in compassion, so that you have a, a place for contradictory ideas to, to meet and be held in the same space, rather than being in a space of competition, where I have to win, and in order for my idea to be valid, it has to beat your idea. That we actually can hold our, hold ourselves and each other in a space of compassion, and she'd use the cloak of Bridget as a as a metaphor for that
0: great now in terms of Bridget being kept alive in one of the greatest ways we can do that is through stories or superstitions can you tell me a bit about the superstitions that are associated with Bridget
1: well the superstitions around the goddess were all sort of transferred onto the saint as I said and that was as you, as you mentioned that's a great way that she was kept alive in Ireland through the years and through the centuries um, as paganism gave way to Christianity this figure and this personality was persisted. Um, there are a huge number of superstitions around the 1st of February, which was traditionally Imbolc, which is still called Imbolc in Ireland, uh, although it's also called St. Bridget's Day in English. A couple of these have to do with the idea of the cloak. Cloaks and cloths are important. So one concept or one notion is that it was the shaking of Bridget's cloak that turned the seasons so that her cloak was shaken out on, on the 1st of February, which began the first stirrings of spring and life coming back into the land. And of course, she's a kind of a spring goddess in a way because of that whole thing of the flowers growing up in her footsteps. Um, you also have this thing where there was a superstition. There was a couple of superstitions about the dew on the morning of the 1st of February. So if you're a woman who wants to hold back time, if you gather the dew on the 1st of February and bathe your face in that dew in the early morning, you will not age for the coming year. So that was a thing that young women in Ireland used to do. There was also an idea that if you left out a cloth or a cloak to gather the dew of the morning of the 1st of February, you could then keep that, and that cloth would be imbued with healing properties and you could wrap it around a throat if you're, you you wrap it around your neck if your throat was sore mm. and it would have the curing of a sore throat that'd be handy yeah and be a good one all right mm-hmm. have this dew-soaked cloth that'll that'll make you better presumably they dried them first but there were also um there was also a, a very interesting ritual which i actually only found out about pretty recently we'd know in ireland or I suppose a lot of people would still know of the idea of the ran Boys or the Wrenboys, which was a kind of a parade that used to happen on the day after Christmas, St. Stephen's Day, or Boxing Day, as it's known in some places, where boys from the local area would kill a Wren. There was a whole lot of superstition about the Wren being an evil bird and I don't really know where it comes from. But they'd dress all in motley and they'd go door to door collecting money. Which is a superstition which is a tradition that was kind of still alive in our dad's time anyway, in the countryside. I don't know if it still is anywhere in Ireland, actually, but what I didn't know was that there is a parallel ritual for young women, which takes place on the first of February, and that is the Bree jokes, which means the young Bridgets, where all of the local girls, all of the young unmarried girls, because Bridget was associated with the protection of unmarried girls, they'd all dress in white. And they'd go door to door, carrying a kind of an effigy of of St. Bridget. And again, collecting money and drinks and favours and attention from (laughs) all the people in the local area.
0: Great. Now, one of the biggest memories I have from school was the St. Bridget's cross. And we make it out of reeds. I, I made loads of them. And they're still made today. What's the cross about?
1: The cross, I think, is one of the more interesting bits of superstition and bits of tradition, because it really points to, or it really supports my theory that the saint and the goddess are one and the same. Now, it's a fairly easy technique to make a Bridget's Cross. The, the tradition was that you gather rushes from the riverbank, which is kind of one of the first things that starts to go green again in the spring in Ireland, and bring it indoors and weave a... Cross. You can find fairly easy instructions for how to do this, it's not a complicated thing at all. And that cross would then be brought in to the house and was said to protect the household from fire for the coming year. Now, the interesting thing about this is that it's a cross with the four limbs of an equal length, which actually makes it a solar cross. Now, the reason I say this kind of supports my theory that the goddess and the saint are the one person, and I'm not the only person with that theory is that it's a very easy technique and it would be very, very easy to make one of the arms longer than the other three, thereby making it a Christian cross. <laughs> but that's not what you do. It's a four-armed cross. The, the solar cross is huge in Irish Christianity and in Irish paganism as a symbol because it's, um, it's thought to represent the four quarters of the year. And of course, all of the Irish main festivals are at these four quarters of the year. You have the 1st of February, Imbolic, you have Beltane, you have Lunasa and you have Samhain. And they're all in between. They're at the midpoint between the solstice and the equinox. So the solstice being the shortest day and the shortest night and the equinox being the time in spring and in autumn where the, the day and the night are equal. All of the Irish festivals happen at the midpoint in between those. So we have, a, we have a quartered year in Ireland and that cross is symbolic of, of the year and time and that's the kind of a thing that comes up a lot in other stories and other myths that we'll touch on at various different times.
0: So is it fair to say that Bridget has been kept alive essentially by the Christian belief system whether she's a goddess or a saint, her stories have been kept alive and passed down predominantly by Christian beliefs?
1: Absolutely. So absolutely in fact the sacred flame of Brigid uh, was kept light- lighting for many many years by Christians and it was actually extinguished in I think the 16th century uh, as a pagan relic but it was reignited by the Brigadine order there is a Brigadine order of nuns still <laughs> Bri- in Ireland Brigadine as, as in the Brigid order
0: yeah, it's just a funny word though <laughs> <Sure>. Brigadine <laughs> I'm one of the Brigadines <laughs> sorry. It's pretty
1: they, funny. they should go a rejog, should they? Um,
0: <laughs> I Maybe. If you're a Brigadina, apologies for offending your name. It's very classy.
1: The point being.
0: Sorry, digression. Carry on, Sarah. Yeah.
1: It was the order of nuns who relit St. Bridget's flame in Kildare. A fair play. And it's nuns. actually still lighting in the square in Kildare now.
0: Class fair play to the nuns God bless them well lesson. like
1: in, t- in terms of keeping the you know we talk about keeping the flame alive and passing the torch and all those kinds of metaphors this is very much a situation where the Christians passed the torch and mm. literally kept the flame of rigid alive for centuries yeah and you know if you think about other goddesses in Irish myth you know goddesses even figures like the Morrigan and uh, Bove and Macha and Danu even the ones like um, Bamba, Fola and Eru, the the three goddesses who gave Ireland its name, we know very little about them. Yeah, they were very much uh, erased and forgotten. But Bridget is the one that we know the most about, and that is absolutely because of her status as a Christian figure.
0: It's imper- impressive that she was such high stand. She had such a high status she couldn't be wiped out and she was therefore immortalized in the christian belief system so whether you're a devout pagan or a good christian you can both accept that the stories about bridget have kept her messages alive not not to do with with literally the faith of of either but the deeper meaning beyond it is that fair to say sure i think so i think so too i
1: mean i think she's a she's a worthy character to be to remember i think she has a wonderful mixture of Uh, compassion and strength like she's both enormously compassionate and absolutely takes no shit
0: now the last question I have for you is based on one of your latter ended stories there the story of the first abortion in Ireland that has not been kept alive by nuns that has not been passed down that is not something that the kids have been learning about in primary school but Bridget performed the first abortion in Ireland
1: well, no, you could you could split hairs there and say it's not an abortion at all. She just prayed to God, but it like <laughs> it's interesting. It's a very interesting one. Again, in line, especially in Ireland, you know, for the last couple of years, we've had an awful lot of conversation and talk about the issue of abortion, and recently repealed the constitutional ban on abortion for those who aren't Irish. Uh, that happened last year, and one of the stories about Saint Bridget, which was actually made into a wonderful video called Bridget's Cross which played on the double meaning of Bridget is cross and Bridget's cross, was is this story that Bridget actually performs an abortion on one of her young nuns. And I think it's a really interesting one, because a lot of the conversations we had about, you know, when a woman can terminate a pregnancy have to do with, oh, we have to have exceptions in case of rape, we have to have exceptions in case of fatal fetal abnormalities. In the actual story, a young nun comes to Bridget because she sinned through lust and she's sorry. And that's it. There's no, oh, well, you made your bed, you have to lie in it. Bridget essentially absolves her of the sin of losing her chastity and the, um, the fetus is removed. Now, the wording of it is that it happens without pain or delivery, so technically it's not a miscarriage or an abortion. So you could split a few hairs there, but she is one of the very few actually canonized Catholic saints that has a story of her performing an abortion. Which just kind of shows, I mean, I think that's a really interesting one in the way that theology changes over the years. You know, we tend to think of religious views as being very certain and very set in stone, but they're not like any other belief system, like any other culture. These are an evolving set of rules and they change and they weren't always what they are now and they won't be what they are now in the future.
0: Very well put. Well, thank you very much for that, for keeping the fire of Bridget alight. And on that note, keep her lit. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. The story was by Surika Hegarty. Music by Oshin Ryan. Now, if you want to support us, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales and seeing if you would like to support us with the price of a pint or a cup of coffee, or whatever you think it's worth for spreading these stories. We're mad about mythology and we like to spread it far and wide, so if you want to find out more about us, visit our website, CandletTales.ie. You'll find info about our upcoming live shows there as well. You can find us on social media at Candletales, and you can send us your questions and your reviews or your stories of choice that you'd like to hear. Info at CandletTales.ie. Use hashtag Tales podcasts when sharing this if you want to share it. Thank you very much. You. Yeah.